coming up. There was only a 20% chance I would survive, actually. One of the things that I find interesting about your story as well is this whole element of like invisible illness. Because if mm. anyone met you, you know, if you were just to meet you randomly in a pub or whatever, yeah. there's not really any indication that you're partially sighted or that you have this, you know, ongoing rehabilitation for this brain injury. It could have been a lot, lot worse. As in brain injuries go, I feel very, very lucky to be here and be alive. She was just like, mm, you might not get any better. And I so, remember so, that. And I remember, you remember that? I do, because I remember having a conversation with you saying, fuck her. A lot of people would say, well, you shouldn't give people false hope. But it's like, how many people in the world, like when you actually look for these stories, mm. people that have done incredible things and overcome yeah. incredible <laughs> things that they shouldn't have survived or they shouldn't mm. have healed from, and they have. Keep parting and enjoy yourself. Learn to touch type. Welcome to the Things I Wish I'd Known podcast. We're on a mission to help those of us who feel way too sad, way too often, remember what it's like to feel alive and 100% yourself again. So whether you're here because you're stressed out, feel like your emotions are constantly hijacking your life, or you've just somehow lost your way, your host, Rachel, has got your back. Let's have all the chats everyone told us not to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> like, rebellion. She's a raver, misbehaver and suicide survivor turned happiness champion. She's on a mission to bring happiness back because let's face it, it never really went out of fashion. This podcast may contain content that is triggering for some listeners. If you're sensitive to certain topics, please check the show notes for full episode descriptions. Hello and welcome to Things I Wish I'd Known with your host, Rachel, the founder of Welford Wellbeing. Today I am here with an incredibly inspiring woman who I'm very lucky to call a friend, the beautiful, the amazing Emma Martins. She has the most incredible story. Seven years ago, she had a brain injury when she um, contracted the deadly virus encephalitis in Vietnam and she spent two months in hospital at the Royal London which I <laughs> had the pleasure of coming to proceed and I know we'll get into that in a minute and it's taken her you know all this time to basically rehabilitate herself everything from speech and language to a loss of sight to struggle with um, brain coordination physio all different kinds of things that she struggled with from you know having to learn how to make a cup of tea cooking you know numbers and things are still kind of confusing but she's come through all of this incredibly to you know help work with the rnib to set up her own podcast called the longest battle which is amazing so do please go and check that out if you obviously love podcasts if you're listening to this one um and now she's back in norwich and um building rebuilding her life there so thank you so much for coming to chat to me how are you doing <laughs> great to be on your podcast now this is fantastic I know, exciting. I know we've been chatting about it for ages i remember when you were doing yours and i was like i want to do a podcast and now like <laughs> we've both got one it's like yes yeah no all good all good yes no life life's been all right actually coming back to norwich norwich good. has been all right rach it's been yeah a change of pace been here a year yeah now. i've been here a year i can't believe it's gone that quick i know it flies by it literally you? feels like you only moved 
like a couple of months yeah. ago. I, I think, think it's anyone, lockdown. lockdown. I was going to say that. <laughs> I keep saying things like a year ago and I mean two years ago. Yeah. Just but because lo- it feels like lockdown was like blink and then a whole year went. And so yeah. you sort of almost forgot that 20... 20- forget that 2020 happened. Oh my God. I think everybody <laughs> wants to forget that 2020... <laughs> Absolutely. Everyone wants to forget that year. They're like, oh yeah, just skip over it. So, I mean, do you want to start by telling, because your story is fascinating. I mean, you went on this trip to Vietnam, right? And for anyone that doesn't know anything about Emma, I mean, this woman is very well travelled. So you were working as a, a TV producer, right? Yeah, uh, I was a TV producer working for a company called WAG TV and I was traveling the world, having a great life, was in America. I had a year of travel. I've actually been doing it for years and years, the job, mm. um, and loved it. Loved it as a producer, worked my way up and, yeah, just kind of loved it. And then I went on holiday to Vietnam um, and at that point, I, I then started losing my sight for mm. some rhyme, no rhyme or reason. And I, and I literally, that part of my brain just stopped working entirely. I managed to get, managed to get home somehow. And then I then ended up in the Royal London Hospital for, I think it was one, two, three, four, four months as an inpatient. Wow. And then I had another four, four months at Queen Square. I went to Queen Square. Ah, yes. Did you ever come and see me there? I didn't come and visit you there, but I remember you telling me about it. That was so surreal. I absolutely felt like I didn't know what had happened. I thought I'd done something wrong. Like, I had no idea what was going on. And I had to relearn everything from having to crossing the road Mm. to walk. I had to walk again. So I had to figure all that part of my story as well. And making a cup of tea. And that yeah. was that was the most scary part of my yeah. recovery, where I suddenly realised I'd lost all the processes. I remember, involved. like, I remember coming to visit you in hospital um, quite early on when you'd only been in there a short while because. You know, me and Emma, for those that listen, we're, we're sort of like chatting beforehand and we're, both of our memories are really bad. And we're trying to remember, like, how many years have we known each other now? Is it 10? Is it 8? And then we realised that when Emma was in hospital was when I was off work trying to recover from my mental health issues. Mm. And so I was able to come and visit quite a lot when you were in Whitechapel because I wasn't yeah. at work and stuff like that. And obviously I knew that a lot of other people wouldn't be coming to see you in the day because they were all at work and stuff. So it was quite nice, I think, for both of us to be able to sort of hang out together. But I remember the first time I came to visit you and it was just, you know, it was really shocking, if I'm honest, to to see Mm. someone who's normally so vivacious and outgoing and this kind of... You know, we, we've used to go running together. You know, we've been running partners and raving partners mm. and, you know, always kind of up to some sort of mischief yeah. to being in a hospital bed. And I remember passing yeah. you like um, a cup to drink out of. And it was like, a, you know, almost like those sort of Tommy Tippy cups with two handles. Yeah. And, um, and I sort of passed it over and then you were trying to pick it up. <laughs> but you kept like missing, you kept missing the handle. And I was kind of like oh this is bad like this is bad you know when you just kind of like because I guess because I'm always so positive I'm like oh she'll be all right hospitals you know (laughs) she's in the best place they're gonna look after her she's gonna you know like everything's gonna be fine but then when you actually go 
oh, hang on a minute, she can't walk and mm. she can't, if you put a cup in front of her, she can't pick it up because she can't see properly. And and mm. me, I remember having to like guide your hand to like where the edge of the cup was and be like, yeah. here you go, babe. And you were like, oh, thanks. And, you know. <laughs> it was quite weird though. It was yeah. really surreal and odd when it just kind of, happened and you like think oh my goodness how did this happen I had to I had to learn to eat again so how to put my mouth on a cat cup and things like that yeah that was so odd um but now thankfully (laughs) I can almost do that now there are lots of things now which is very good um you know my recovery has been pretty good but it you know there are some things that I still can't do nowadays which Mm. um which is quite frustrating so I still can't type which in in this day and age where everybody uses laptops and all that sort of stuff and computers I can't do any of that I partially sighted now my brain doesn't necessarily work it's I get very very tired and fatigued all those kind of things numbers numbers are just a, a strange still in my brain like I literally can't work out numbers at all but that's what a calculator's for though isn't it yeah exactly (laughs) I do think as well like being uh, having this issue now at this time it you've got a lot more technology right because even with Mm. typing it's like you can dictate stuff and it will type it out for you or you can um, you say that though but I can't can't, yeah they're shit excuse me they're not very good you can swear on this podcast (laughs) as well they're they're not very good you can't rely on it to do some to do uh and, you know, on an app, so you can't rely on that app to make it work. You yeah. need to have a vision because I, I'm, yeah, like the partially sighted element of it means that it, I can't work those things to start. I think if I remember rightly, I think Claire was, was telling me when you were on your way back, you'd bumped into somebody who was a doctor or something like that while you were in Vietnam. Is this yeah, right? Yeah, we did. Yeah, it is true. He then, he had a look into my eyes like a doctor from Hackney. Yeah. And uh, he looked into my eyes and he could see that my brain wasn't working as well as it is. He like looked at these little bits and yeah. could see whether it was going and could tell. He didn't tell me that. No. But he just said, you've got to go straight to the Royal London when you finish. Wow. Mm. I always think this with the universe and coincidence and all that kind of stuff, but like how random that you would bump into somebody that you knew from Hackney in Vietnam who just so happens to like know about this stuff and was able to say right go to this specific hospital and Mm. like do not pass go do not collect your 200 pounds like go straight there it's just amazing there was only a 20% chance I would survive actually so um from that by meeting those people and then they moved me to go straight to the Royal London all those times it makes life saving basically, which is really good. It's incredible. So you can't really, yeah. It's scary, it's scary. Yeah. But yeah, you just, you know, it's life and death. You just really don't know where it, what happens really for people, doesn't it? It's, yeah. And I suppose, you know, one of the things that I find interesting about your story as well is this whole element of like invisible illness. Because if mm. anyone met you, you know, if you were just, to meet you randomly in a pub or whatever. Yeah. There's not really any indication that you're partially sighted or that you mm. have this, you know, ongoing rehabilitation for this brain injury or that you wouldn't be able to 
do certain things for, for yourself like mm. you know to if I was just to see you out and about I would just think you just you know you wouldn't know that you had a disability right yeah and yes. so how how does that kind of affect you this you know in a sense of having this kind of invisible I think illness? it's quite good but you just have to speak up when there's certain things that you can't do and mm. You, you do just have to speak up and just say, hang on, I can't do this. Uh, can someone help? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Um, but it's it could have been a lot, lot worse, you know, as in brain injuries go. I feel that I, I feel very, very lucky to be here and be alive and stuff like that and able to sort of spread awareness on what brain injury is all about because mm. um hopefully i'm going to be doing some work with um one of the headway charities um, oh, amazing in norwich so just to try and they're meeting their families and people like that to kind of talk about you know what's happened to me to show that you know there is light and there is there's an awful lot of new new not technology but you're the brain and everything at the moment, they're still finding things to get people better, quicker. So Absolutely. It's the neuroplasticity. That is all getting so much more. People are knowing much, much more and showing that you can get better. You can yeah. get better. Um, whereas like when I was in hospital, actually, the lady that I, the, my consultant there said to me, man, you, you, you know, a year in, she said, well, it's a year now. You probably won't ever get better. You know, I was like, oh, okay. So that was like a year in. And because I hadn't, you know, what I'd, where I'd got to, she was just like, mm, you might not get any better. And I so, remember that. And I remember, you remember that? I do, because I remember having a conversation with you saying, fuck her. Yeah. Don't listen to her. Because I, I had a friend as well who was in a horrific car accident. Mm. And he was told he would never walk again. Yeah. And, and he did, because he was like, I don't care what you think. And mm. everybody told him, your pelvis is wrecked. You're never going to yeah. walk again. And he was like, watch me. And it took him ages, don't get me wrong. It wasn't yeah. like he just had the thought and then got mm. out of bed and just miraculously yeah. walked. Like, I mean, he worked his ass off, you know, to mm. through rehab and stuff. But he did it. And I knew yeah. somebody else that had was in a coma. And she mm. had the same thing. They said to her, you're never going to walk this, that and the other. She had a skiing accident. And I remember going to the hospital and she was uh, such a diva, basically, that she refused. And I loved her for this. I was like, <laughs> yes. They kept trying to make her get in a wheelchair and she kept refusing. She's like, I'm, I don't need a wheelchair. I can walk. <laughs> and they were like, you you can't walk. And she's like, I can. And they were like, "You, but you can't. And like, she wouldn't get in the wheelchair. She made them carry her. Yeah. Two nurses so that she could practice starting to Aww. try and use her legs because she was yeah. like, I'm not getting in a wheelchair. I am going to walk again. Mm. And, and I know this isn't, you know, necessarily. <sighs> Do you know what? I'm not even going to go there. I believe it is totally possible for everybody to absolutely heal mm. everything. Yeah. But I think there's limitations in the sense of access to care and mm. how quick and how quick you get yeah. it yeah the support of friends and family whether you take Fair on course. you know whether you take on those beliefs because like if a doctor mm. says to you oh well you're probably not going to get any better emma like 
it's highly likely that you're going to start telling yourself, oh, well, the doctor who studied yeah. medicine and knows better than anyone says I'm not going to get better, so maybe I won't. And once you, as the patient, lose hope in mm. your own healing, I think that is a really damaging thing. I th- and But then it's difficult because a lot of people would say, well, you shouldn't give people false hope. But it's like, how many people in the world, like when you actually look for these stories, mm. people that have done incredible things and overcome yeah. incredible <laughs> things that they shouldn't have survived or they shouldn't mm. have healed from, and they have. Yeah. So, like, it is possible. Yeah, I guess with my, with my my disability, there's, like, like three different things. My eyesight is yeah. that, which is one why that's different. And then my brain injury and dyslexia that I've yeah. got now. So I've got, like, a three-pronged pain-in-the-ass thing to figure out. <laughs> like, but I, mean, I know it's been seven years, but when you look mm. at it, like, it is miraculous. Like, you've gone from literally having a 20% chance of survival and being, I mean, you know, you were so unwell in yeah. hospital. I it didn't realise that at the time. Yeah, I had I no mean, idea. <laughs> it was quite painful. That shouldn't go. It, well, I mean, it was quite, you know, it was quite hard as well I think you know it's obviously harder for you poor me mate this about me <laughs> it was really hard for me to come and visit you in hospital Boo-hoo. you're like I was the one that was suffering <laughs> but um, I think it's that that um to watch you now it's amazing you know Aww. it really is incredible like how how far you've come and how determined you've been in your own healing and how yeah, I still am pretty determined I just get yeah. I get so frustrated and annoyed I'm just like just get on with this I just want to get get us doing things all the time and it's straight it's strange in lockdown as well because it's the same everyone's in that same position as mm. well and we're all a bit frustrated we're all like and but no one's able to proceed going forward if you're not working yeah it's like a nightmare to try to get work and doing things like this really yeah. really hard so I'm, I'm still ever hopeful I'm still not working yet um but You'll I do get do talks. yeah I do do talks and things I might be doing some stuff at the UBA but little bits and bobs but yeah, yeah but you'll get there you know and I think this is the thing as well we're impatient because mm, yeah, that's I why still, we that's why we're there that's why we're at this point now I think because we, I still have the same thing you know with my depression and mm. whatever and I'll, I'll say I'm convinced I'm going to completely heal myself from it I'm absolutely yeah. convinced I just maybe I haven't quite got the exact formula yet you mm. know but I know that there will be a day when I don't have to think about depression anymore I'm convinced yeah. of that. That's great. It's not, yeah, I'm yeah. not quite there yet. But when I look yeah. back, similar thing, similar thing, you know, I look back six years ago and I think, mm. God. Yeah. God, I've come a long way. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Crikey. <laughs> Couldn't even get out of bed, you know. And I think, yeah. I, I remember, I'm trying to think who I was with because I came to your flat. You'd got out of hospital and I came to your flat. Yeah. It might have been with Liz or it might have been someone yeah. else. I'm trying to, this is the other thing. God, our conversations are hilarious, aren't they? Both our memories. And we were making spaghetti bolognese. And I remember like, that was again when I realised, because I'd been to visit you in hospital and you were so much better mm. than you had been. And we were able to have like a proper, just normal conversation. And you were able to like pick up a cup by yourself and all that kind of stuff. And it was like, wow. And I don't know if I'm allowed to say this bit, so I might have to edit it out. But <laughs> do you remember that day we came and we snuck you out and we went to the pub? <laughs> you didn't drink. 
Which pub? The one There in... was a pub downstairs from the Royal London, like round the back, and we snuck you out. There was yeah, me and Joey. Say that. Me and Joey and a couple of other people. We came and we got you in a wheelchair and like snuck you to the pub. <laughs> it's a yeah. really funny day. It was really fun. It's, it's what you've got to do though, haven't you? You've got to be a bit more like chilled about everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? To be able to proceed, you've got to relax. For more information on how you can bring your happiness back, why not join Rachel's monthly membership or contact her via her website, www.welfordwellbeing.com. And yeah. I guess that that's part of my recovery as well. Because of my brain injury, I have, like, when I was in hospital, I literally couldn't see on the right hand side at all. People would come mm. into the hospital and I'd have to turn around to be able to see people coming into the yeah. door. And then I was like, oh, um, it was like a fog that was, it was an anxiety fog. That's yeah. how I describe it because I didn't see it because it is, it's not real, but it's mm. your brain that's trying to heal. And, you know, then it kind of, that fog kind of lifted as I got mm. a bit better. Obviously, I'm still partially sighted. Yeah. But the anxiety had kind of gone. And I I do utilize mindfulness these days yeah. to try to get everything going. I can't actually figure out stuff. So I have to like chill out. Like before I had a chat with you, yeah. I did 15 minutes of mindfulness just before. So I do that probably three times a day yeah. just to kind of keep myself centered and know that that kind of works for me. It's just yeah. I get over, I get over excited and tired you know, with all those yeah. things. So when I just need to calm my brain and then it works. Yeah. I do think as well, like it's probably just a lot of processing, you know, like mm. it's yes. like when you try and get your computer to do too many things at once and it kind yeah. of like gets a bit stressed out. It's, it's a bit like that with the brain, isn't it? Sometimes it's like we've tried to have it doing all these processes concurrently and actually sometimes mm. we forget that, it needs a bit of downtime. It needs a bit of like recharge, you know, being plugged mm. in, which is the mindfulness. Yeah, but I mean, it works. It works you, for me. You've totally come so far because, like, I mm. think it was Liz. I'm trying to remember who it was, but I remember coming to your house <laughs> and we were cooking spaghetti bolognese, and you just got out of hospital, and it was like we were having to name things for you mm. and it was like oh do you know what this is and it was like an onion or something and you were like yeah. uh and you could see that you knew what it was yeah but you couldn't quite like put the you know like from your brain to your mouth to like put it all yeah. together mm. and it's so it's so mad to see now just how far you've come and I think that's it's just miraculous it's so I incredible. even made a lasagna recently which oh is God, a, I'm coming a, round. a nightmare <laughs> I was like I'm, I'm not gonna do that again though <laughs> I was like, that was an effort I was just like you can do bolognese and then take it to the next level lasagna which doesn't I love a do, lasagna. Yeah, but it's a real effort <laughs> yeah, it is a real effort but I mean when you've when you've handmade it <laughs> oh, yeah. it's like because then yeah. you know like when you get the one and you're like oh man you know like the white sauce bit is like the best yeah. and sometimes they're really tight with the white sauce and you're like if I wanted bolognese, <laughs> if I wanted bolognese with straight fat pasta then I would have done that but it's it's you know you, but when you make it yourself you can get your layers like yeah it was a really good it. one though yeah I'll have to do it for you you have to come and stay and do that I need to point. do that I need to do that <laughs> <laughs> so what has, what has been like I guess your biggest learning on this journey because you've done so much haven't you you've done all your speech and language stuff you've done all your physio which was all about like rebuilding your strength being able to walk yeah. being able to balance and you, you even because did you you ran 
Was it a marathon, a half marathon? I can't remember that. We did the half marathon. I remember it being really far. (laughs) (laughs) That was a hackney half, wasn't it? I did. Amazing. Yeah, I won't won't do that again, though. (laughs) That was absolutely, I did my half. (laughs) I'm like, I'm not doing that again. But it was good. It was, you know, it was three years into my recovery. Yeah. you know, and because, you know, I, because I tried to start walking again. Yeah. And I felt that it was a good thing to do and pushing myself. I've always wanted to push, push myself all the yeah. way through to try to push the limits, I guess. Yeah. I think it's so important, like with anything in life. I think mm. that's such a good lesson for anything because we can get really stagnant, can't we? Yeah. And I've I've noticed that in myself recently. I, I started working with a new therapist on a couple of things and, I hadn't been in therapy for a a while, actually, probably for about Mm. a year, maybe a bit longer, because I'd done so much. And I was like, Mm. you know what? I'm done going into my trauma. I'm so bored. I just want to have a laugh. And then 2020 happened. And I was like, this isn't the year I had planned. (laughs) (laughs) My fun year off. Oh, I I know. I've sort of gone back to it. But it is interesting because... A lot of the stuff I'm working on now is around that. It's like, oh, mm. I want to, I, I realised that all the work that I've done to get me to where I am now mm. isn't going to get me to this next level of healing. Like, I need to yeah. step it up a gear. I need to get more disciplined with certain things and whatever. And yeah. and it is, I think you can get, mm. you find something that works. Yeah, so you I, continually do it. And then over time it becomes less effective because yeah. you've been doing it for so long it'd be it's like, like my running it's like my running now I mean I did I did a run earlier today I did an hour run around my new area that's a lot yeah and um, but it does I like it, it really, yeah I feel so good um the endorphins and everything yeah. makes me feel really good by doing it and I know I feel much better after I've done it so actually yeah. you kind of kind of you are good at running as well I think I, I think the biggest run I've ever done was with you we did six miles <laughs> I don't yeah. think I've ever and I remember thinking like oh this is slow because I was trying to run further yeah because um, I found running really helped my anxiety at the beginning yeah. when I was still having panic attacks and stuff like that people probably don't know me and Emma used to live pretty much opposite each other didn't we like 10 mm. minutes away from each other on this beautiful area um of like the Hackney marshes and so it's yeah. it's really beautiful it's like this big canal and all these fields and so we used to just meet up and uh by the anchor wasn't it and go meet the anchor or the princess yeah. and then go uh and go running together and I quite like running but I like running not for very long and going quite fast mm. listening to j- old school jungle <laughs> and you were like no come on you're gonna, you aren't I gonna can't be able do to... two things at once these days I can't do two things at once my brain's like concentrate I did fall over a couple of times by running there did you when I waxed well was it Cherry's house oh yeah had to have like I do remember that. Not when I was with you, though. No. You always stayed upright when I was there. I must have been a good omen. But it's it's fascinating, isn't it, how all these different elements, like, feed into the healing. And you've Mm -hmm. had occupational therapy, your psychology stuff you've done. Yeah. I mean, out of all of this stuff, like, what would you say has been your biggest learning so far since you've had the brain injury? Um, The biggest learning would be the mindfulness thing it really? has to be it really has to be there's that's been the one thing who they they told me in hospital so this is before the time that mindfulness suddenly became yeah you know, it was before that actually happened yeah and 
it you know it totally transformed my life yeah it it was that's the one thing that's been the biggest learning thing for from this recovery of everything and knowing that it's so important to yeah. be mindful and know those kind of things. To yeah. Do you, I mean, do you find like with your mindfulness practice, has it changed since you started or you just kind no, of continue with the same? It's exactly the same. Exactly yeah. the same. It works for me. And, you know, I don't have to have a nap now. I used to have a nap in the daytime. Mate, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> you could totally, like, wing that. You should be, like, totally having a nap. <laughs> but, I, you know, I like to push myself. And yeah. napping in the day ain't very productive. It's not very productive. <laughs> but it feels good. Maybe yeah. maybe every other Saturday you could have <laughs> yeah, a little nap. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. And so, like, how did you first start to learn mindfulness? So for people that are listening that maybe are thinking, mm. oh, you know what, I've tried to give mindfulness a go, but I didn't really get it. Or I, is there like some steps or I things that you do? I just okay. use a free app. Yeah. And for 15 minutes and it works for me. But yeah. I guess there's lots of mindfulness stuff out there now. Um, but just a free app and it just works for me. So yeah. that's kind of why I do it. I just always do the same one. I've done a lot of meditation as well. I did yeah. a lot of meditation and I still very I find that really hard because my brain, you know, I'm not very good. I'm not very well behaved in my brain. So yeah, if you have I think that, that is part of it. This is the yeah. thing that I love about meditation. This is one of the reasons I wrote some of my meditation courses is because if somebody like me can learn to meditate, anyone can do it. I mean, Jesus, <laughs> the, the stuff that goes on upstairs in my yeah. brain, man. I mean, and it, and I think we don't realise. You you think. I definitely did at the beginning of my journey with meditation. I would sit and I would think I was doing it wrong mm. because I was having thoughts and because I couldn't empty my mind and because yeah. my mind was still busy or I was still thinking about things. And, you know, it was really when I went and did my Vipassana, you know, one of those 10-day mm. silent meditation things. I, don't, I can't imagine doing that. Can you imagine me doing it? I can't imagine you doing it. Imagine you doing it. Do you know the one reason I did it? I was like, I wonder if I can not talk for 10 days. <laughs> How does that work? And I, and I, well, I did it. And it was, I mean, it was a pretty interesting experience. I highly mm. do not recommend it for anyone with unresolved trauma. So if you're listening to yeah. this, you've got unresolved trauma and you're thinking, I might do a Vipassana. <laughs> I would say go and do your therapy first and then go and do Vipassana because it's really intense. Um but what I, d I did learn a lot of stuff about myself and about meditation from that. And I think the most interesting thing was when I was sitting, and um, for those that don't know what it is, it's a practice you go away to like, um, there's various places that do it around the world. There's like different mm. retreat centers and you essentially, a bell goes off at 4.30 in the morning and you or four o'clock or something like that. And you you sit to meditate for basically 10 hours a day um mm. in little stints so i think yeah. it's like an if i remember it rightly it's about an hour and a half in the morning and then you have a little break where you can go and get showered and whatever and then you can have your breakfast and then mm. you meditate again and you you know all day basically you yeah. meditate until like nine o'clock at night and then you go to bed and you get up again at four and you start again and yeah. you do that for 10 days you're not allowed to make eye contact with anyone you're not allowed to talk um you're not allowed to communicate in any way you can't practice mm. things like yoga you're not allowed to write you're not allowed to read wow, just literally good. like mm. you and your meditation practice and some really delicious vegan food um 
And but what I learned was, you know, there was days in there, especially this one day, which was really hilarious, where I could not stop thinking about sex. And I was sitting meditating and I swear I was like, there's something wrong with me. I couldn't stop like having all these like very sexual um visualizations and stuff and I was like oh my god you know this is supposed to be I'm in a religious place and I'm gonna go to hell and all that kind of stuff and then um, it wasn't until when we completed and you're allowed to go and talk to everyone I yeah. didn't go and talk to anyone because I went and cried for about two and a half hours no. <laughs> in my room I was so relieved that it was over I just cried and cried and cried and then once I got over that I was like oh I better go and talk to some people and um and then when I spoke to everyone, they all said the same thing. Oh, my God, this happened to my, you know, I was thinking about these things. And oh, okay, you know, yeah. pretty mm. much everyone had at least one day where they just thought they were a pervert. <laughs> so yeah. Couldn't yeah. stop thinking about sex. I had this mad dream type. I don't know whether it's a dream or whatever, but you, there's all these mats laid out everywhere. Mm. And and that's your space. So I think I was like G seven or something like that, and and that is your spot. And then if somebody leaves, they take their cushion away. So as you go through the vipassana, people's cushions start disappearing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so I had this like mad thing that I couldn't get out of my head that. Um, we were in a cult. I mean, this isn't true. This was just like a weird brain yeah. thing. And that there was vampires and oh. that they were um, feeding these people that disappeared to the vampires, oh. right? And so I had this mad thing. And then what was so weird was I thought that was the weirdest thing. So I thought, obviously, I'm not going to tell that story when everyone was joking about things that they'd thought. And then this woman went, oh, my God, do you remember that day when that cushion, the first cushion got taken away? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, I started thinking that there was like vampires. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. And so I thought, no. That- way and somebody else had exactly the same weird obviously we've probably watched the same movies or whatever and so that really helped me in a way because I thought in those moments when we were all sharing about the things that our brain Mm. did and where we went with things and how we got scared about certain things and how we worried about certain other things and how Mm. you know maybe sex came in maybe vampires came in maybe whatever but you're meeting people that are having those same experiences and you start to realize that meditation as a practice yeah you can get rid of those things. Don't forget to meet us over on YouTube for the uncut video version and additional content of all episodes. You can find the link in the description. But I, I, I like, med- I do enjoy the meditation, but I, now I've just gone to the mindfulness now. But I used to yeah. go to the one in the Buddhist center. I used to always go yeah. to the Buddhist center. I just don't fancy it at the moment. Do you know no. what I mean? I, yeah. I can't imagine going to the Buddhist Centre. I just, you know, in in Norwich and meeting. I just don't fancy doing because of COVID times. Yeah. I just don't really fancy it at the moment. No, I but I think that's later on. I think that's also a key thing to like mention as well around your mm. practice. Your practice is going to change and develop over time. Yeah. And I think yeah. if you're doing stuff and you find something that works for you, mm. just do that. Yeah. Don't worry about the stuff you're not doing or the stuff you yeah. could be doing or should be doing. Just do the stuff that works and forget yeah. everything else, you know? Yeah, this is true. This is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I would love to know, like, if you could go back in time and you could give a piece of advice to, like, a younger version of 
Emma Martins, okay. what would yeah. you, what what kind of advice might you give to her? Uh, keep partying. <laughs> yes. Because at any point, you, it things change, like has yeah. happened to me. Do you know what I mean? Just keep partying and enjoy enjoy yourself. Yeah. Because, you know, because where I am now, it's not as fun as it used to be. <laughs> Not more fun. Just keep doing that. Keep enjoying your life. And yeah. also, yeah, and t- learn to touch type. Because um, do you think you would have remembered it, though? Probably not. But, <laughs> you know, that is the one thing. Touch typing would have definitely sorted me out. You never know which part, which, whether my brain would have contained it. We don't know. Yeah. Uh, some things, you know, have been retained yeah. by the way, all the way through. But yeah, it's um, yeah, that's what I'd say. <laughs> and what one thing do you wish you'd known, like before you had encephalitis, before you had to do all this rehabilitation? Mm. What do you wish you'd known before all of this stuff happened? Apart from keep partying, which I mean, I totally <laughs> respect that. Pushing, you've got to push your boundaries. Like, even though people say that you can't, you're not going to get any better. I think you've got to continue to push yourself to to try. You know, even if they say there's not any hope for you to do it, just continue for you getting better. Because of the neuro pathways and things that are never changing, I think that that you've just got to push push yourself. Push yourself as much as you can without getting too tired. Because, yeah. you know, but you could, you know, I could be sat here not doing anything, but actually I've pushed myself, you know, and doing lots of talks and things like yeah. that nowadays. And, you know, I can't wait to get out and about to try and help other people, hopefully get a job at some point. That's yeah. the aim. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah, will. So pushing, totally pushing will. myself. Yeah, so that's and I, I totally think, yeah, on that point as well around, you know, pushing yourself but also allowing yourself to rest mm. and only you're going to know yeah. what those times and spaces are. My, my bit is I always watch Neighbours at lunchtime. I love that. <laughs> I watch Neighbours at lunchtime and then I feel better. I then do my yeah. chill out and then I think, oh, life is all right. <laughs> but sometimes you need to do that. Well, like I the other day I had... Um, basically my day got really out of hand and it got way busier than it should have been and normally I'm pretty good at allocating breaks between things because I do Mm. quite a lot of different stuff so you know I wouldn't say book a load of one-to-one clients back to back and then a load of podcast recordings and Mm. then corporate whatever I try to be pretty sensible with my timetable so that I don't burn out and get tired and things like that but my it got loads of things had overran that day and I realized I had about half an hour I think it was before from finishing what I was doing before I had to start clear club in the evening and normally I have about an hour and a half so I can go and get some dinner I can go for a nice walk around the block I can do a little meditate whatever and I only had about 30 minutes and I was like oh man this is I haven't got any time and you know I need to eat and I need to do this and I need to do that Mm. and I suddenly thought I was like do you know what I'm just gonna play my gong for 10 minutes yeah and chill myself out and I just sat and I played gong for about 10 minutes and then I just went and grabbed like a snack from the shop. And I honestly felt like a new woman afterwards. And I just thought old me, like prior to knowing all this stuff, would have just tried to push on through and rushed, yeah. scoffed down some dinner yeah. and like mm. not given myself any time just to be like. Mm. And even though it was just 10 minutes, it really yeah. just, 
you know, it's like you're saying with the mindfulness, it's like 15 minutes a couple mm. of times a day. Yeah. It doesn't have to be. I think a lot of time people think about these things, pushing yourself out of your boundaries yeah. or like really going for mm. it. It's like, no, sometimes it is just that disciplined 10 minutes twice a day mm. that can make yeah. all the difference. Yeah, and it's, it does, yeah. Yeah, I love I that. I have to do it. So, yeah, love that. <laughs> uh, is there anything else that you wanted me to ask or you wanted to share Ooh. that maybe I didn't get to... Oh. I don't know. Uh, but I don't know what what have I been doing. I guess the the longest battle uh, yes. is the one that I've been doing. But yeah, I am doing some stuff from, for the RNIB um, called the VIP Pod for partially sighted and blind people. So that's Love another it. podcast. So a second nice. podcast that'll be coming out at some point soon, which is all quite exciting. So that's through the RNIB, but nice. we're doing that in, in East of England, but it is going nationally, so Exciting. that would be quite good. So, And you've had some pretty good guests on The Longest Battle as well, yeah. haven't you? I, <laughs> yeah. I think a couple of my favourite ones was uh, Definitely Mad Dog. Yeah, he's that, lovely. Yeah, that was yeah, such yeah. a good episode. And who's that woman? And I, I Heather was, Mills. Heather Mills. I was like, what? Yeah, she's, she's pretty petrifying. Yeah, but. <laughs> but she was great. But yeah, it was a it good was episode. Good. I learned a lot. I was like, wow, <laughs> I didn't realise. Like, you know, when you just you see a media version of somebody, and then you mm. hear something like that podcast. She was really just open and honest about yeah. her life and her journey and stuff. Absolutely. And it was like, wow, okay, I yeah. didn't realise any of this stuff about you. She's a super yeah. interesting woman. You know, and she was, wasn't she? She just brilliant i think she yeah. just got remarried again she's oh been, is she uh, i don't know how many marriages she's got but, yeah. good for her go for it yeah i know <laughs> definitely definitely but yeah no i think there's nothing else really that i've been going on so hopefully that's ah, it's been cool. your listeners it's been so good to talk to you and i think definitely it will have inspired people and i love that you know Aww. thing you wish you'd known is just push through your boundaries and keep mm. going because yeah. I 100% feel that as well. You know, if yeah. I'd have listened to some of the doctors that were like, mm. you've got depression, that's just how it is. You're going to be on meds for the rest of your life. But without getting stressed out. But without getting stressed out. Yeah, but, and, get, not getting stressed about it, but no, you just got to and push give yourself, yourself going. Time mm. and space, isn't it? Like, And yeah. this is the thing, a lot of my clients, sometimes they go, yeah, but look at you. And I'm like... Yeah, but I'm seven years into my journey. Yeah, yeah. You know, this yeah. I wasn't like this seven years. You know, they're like, say, they had their breakdown and it's been like a year. Mm, I'm like, mm. I'm like five, five, six years ahead of where yeah. where you are. And That's when what I, was, I always say to people now. Yeah. Like, well, it's years ago. You know, we got a brain injury. Don't don't stress. This will be yeah, all right. It will be all right at the end yeah. of the day. But you've just got to be patient. You've yes. got to be really patient. Um, yeah. And just slowly, like baby steps every day, little things, keep Mm -hmm. tweaking and changing, listening to yourself and and like move it forward. And sometimes, like you say, you just want to go party. (laughs) I don't want to do the work anymore. And then other times it's like, no, we're so lucky. So, I mean, if anyone wants to find Emma's Mm. um, podcast, The Longest Battle, you can find at thelongestbattle.co.uk. And uh, once the VIP pod is live i will put a link underneath because currently we don't know uh, the release date and all that stuff but once that is up and running i will put a link so that you guys can all go and check that out as well thank you so much and um yeah we'll have to hook up soon in uh, norwich (laughs) when when the restrictions are, are off 
I know, I know. Well, thank you so oh, much. I love you so much, Faith. Thanks for being care. here. Love See you love. soon. See you soon. Bye. Bye. And to everyone else, thank you so much for listening. And as always, I look forward to speaking to you all again very soon. Much love. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as Rachel enjoys making this podcast. Why not share it with a friend in need of some heartwarming inspiration? And if you really love it, drop us a review on Apple Podcasts as it really helps us reach and inspire more people. Thanks for listening. On a mission to bring happy back 